season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shrigland and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have former Zionsville and PRP Mambas catcher and incoming junior for Miami, Ohio baseball, David Novak, on the JKR Podcast, the Indiana Baseball Series, presented by PBR Indiana. David, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Excited to be here. Awesome, man. And again, you know, excited for you to come on the show. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, you said you are just getting started to go you know, potentially go play summer ball here in a couple of weeks. But um, but the first kind of first question I always like to dig into with people before we start talking about baseball is for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is David Novak? Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, I got. I mean, I, I take this as kind of a two part question. Uh, the first half, I'm obviously a baseball player. Um, I'm a hard worker. Um, I love the game, love playing hard, um, and respecting the game. But then on the other side, I'm, I'm also, I'm also a family man. I love my family, um, love hanging out with my family and I love just being around them and using them as my motivation every day. So I definitely take that as a two part question because I've definitely felt that baseball doesn't always define me and got to create my own path. So I like using that as a two part question for sure. Okay. Awesome. You know, I love the I love the in depth answer there. Sometimes I get a player on, and they'll be like, you know, I'm David Novak, catcher, Miami, Ohio. I went to Zionsville High School, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll just move on to the next question. So, you know, I do I do like the in depth answer there. Uh, makes makes me think about it. But um, first, kind of baseball segment I want to dig into. Obviously, you're at Miami, Ohio now, so I kind of want to go through the whole recruiting process. You know, kind of as a timeline, um, just going into you know your fall, your first fall, your freshman, sophomore season to where you're at now. Uh, but kind of take us through what the recruiting process was looking like for you. You know, when did you start getting noticed by, you know, some of those division one teams? Yeah, I think my first, first time I actually talked to a D one school was, I think I was um, finishing up eighth grade, um, lightly talking some schools, but nothing really going on. Um, then freshman year kind of picked up a little bit more, um, got an offer freshman year. And then after my, 
sophomore year, um, high school uh, year ended. Um, I went to PBR Future Games, and <laughs> I did awful in the BP round. I think my BP round, I swung and missed at, like, the first four pitches or something. And, like, I was so upset. I, so I swung and missed the four, first four pitches. And I remember that night uh, I get a text saying, like, hey, Coach Hayden, who um was our head coach at the time, he's like, hey, Coach Hayden from Miami, Ohio, wants to talk to you. I'm like, man, you sure he's got the right guy? Like, I only put about half the balls in play, and it was just BP. And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's got the right guy. I'm like, all right. So I called him, and then I kind of got connected through that. And um, kind of was talking for other schools. But after that, I went to a, what they called like a camp. It was just me at the camp. And I hit and um, did some defensive stuff um, at the school and took us on a tour. And obviously, the campus is just beautiful. Um, and then I think I, I, um, headed home that night. I wasn't even in the house yet. And I get a call, um, getting an offer from them and, um, they really stood out to me, obviously with the coaching staff at the time and the campus for sure. And how close it was to home. Um, and then a little bit later on, I committed there. So, you know, being an eighth grader as those, you know, conversations were starting with college coaches kind of take us through what those conversations were looking like. Obviously you're a, what? 13, 14 year old kid at the time talking to college coaches, still four or five years away from, you know, playing college ball or being even being a college student. So yeah. take us through what those conversations were looking like, maybe some questions they were asking you. And then, you know, as you did get a little bit older and, you know, started going to the PBR futures game and, you know, we're a little bit closer to college, how those conversations, you know, maybe differed with you being, you know, a couple of years older than, you know, when it first got started. Yeah. So when I was, like at the front end of it, it was definitely very, uh, I would say probably awkward conversations. Um, I starting off, I hated talking to people on the phone. So that was definitely the hardest. Um, I mean, to this day when I'm like on a call, even with our coaches that I've known for years, um, I'll just pace back and forth. Um, so that's kind of never changed, but, um, the conversations definitely when we were younger started as more of like a, Oh, like, who are you? Um, how do you feel about this? Kind of just getting to know you. And I think they were more testing your mature, like your uh, maturity at the time, um, which I thought was very interesting. And obviously being that young, it was really hard to answer some of the questions that they were asking. But the older I got, it turned into more um, kind of business stuff. Um, obviously, they're asking about grades, school, what you want in the school. Um, and then on some of the hardest questions, when they start asking you about um, other schools talking to you, it's you're like, well, I'm trying to help myself build this resume, but at the same time, like, I don't know if I want you knowing that. So obviously that's difficult, but um, I think definitely the conversations as you get older with college coaches, um, or I think it's a lot, I, I'm, like I said, it's, the beginning, it's all about, they're going to see how mature you are. And after that, they're going to see what kind of man you are. And um, obviously what kind of baseball player you are. So I think over the years, as you get older, it turns more into a real conversation, not just of who you are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you kind of mentioned what my next question is going to be there. You asked those, you say those college coaches were asking you what you were looking for in a school. You know, what was that? What were some of those key things that you kind of valued going through the recruiting process? Obviously, I'm sure relationship with coaches is one, but, you know, kind of take us through what those key things you were looking for in a school. Yeah. So before I even started um, looking at like picking schools exactly, um, I said, like farthest I wanted to go away, it was going to be four hours. Obviously I said earlier, 
big family guy. So um, I don't want, I wanted to be somewhere I could drive home and drive back in a day. So obviously eight hours isn't bad. Um, so I started looking in there and then obviously um, school, I mean, being in the position where I am with baseball um, and using that to get into a school where I might not get into or might not excel um, without baseball was something that I kind of, um, kind of thought about and realized like, man, I could really use this to my benefit and do something I might not be able to do without it. So that was definitely one of the bigger things. And obviously, um, going on campus at Miami for the first time was just crazy. I mean, I think they walked me through some of the buildings and it was just nuts, um, because it's this beautiful campus in the middle of nowhere that no one ever really talks about unless, um, you're there or you had like a parent go there or something. Yeah, I got I got a couple of buddies who work for the the Miami Ohio football team, and they're always taking pictures of campus or the football facilities. And I'm like, man, like you know that that's a pretty pretty nice looking campus for you know being you know a mid major school. But I mean that, that that is one you know hell hell of a looking campus. But um you know at, you you mentioned that the PBR futures game well you know play, probably played a pretty big role in that recruiting process. Kind of how you got connected with the coach at Miami Ohio. Kind of take us through that PBR Futures game in terms of, you know, what that was looking like. Obviously, you said you were a little nervous uh, there that first round of BP, but I just kind of take us through what that experience was like. Yeah, so, gosh, first day, I remember rolling up thinking, like, I was on top of the world. Um, and I at the time, I was playing some um, infield, so I was doing my uh, infield stuff, took it at third base, actually did really well, threw it pretty well across the diamond. Um Glove worked, looked good. And I remember looking like walking off, kind of like all the coaches spread across the field. And like it kind of all hits you at once, especially when you're walking up there for BP, like just a couple hours later. You're like, man, like every power five school in the country's here, every mid major. I mean, there was, I mean, you're standing room only behind the seats and there's not anywhere to walk. It was absolutely nuts. Um, obviously, at the time being, let's see 15 I don't think I could I couldn't even drive yet so or maybe I could anyway it was like 15 or 16 it was just nuts being there I mean you've never played in, in front of a bigger crowd than probably like 60 leading up to that point unless you were like a freshman or a sophomore playing in like the state championship maybe but still I don't know there's every college coach in the country is there watching you and only you it's it's crazy and very very nerve-wracking if you've never done it before yeah, I'm sure. So you say it's nerve wracking. Obviously, you said that you know standing room only, all Power Five coaches, all mid major coaches there down there in Atlanta. Or I guess was that back when it was in at Grand Park? I know they switched just a couple years ago. Yeah, so it was of course it was funny because the first year they switched it to um, Lake Point was my first was the year I went. So it was at Lake Point. Okay, so you know, with you, you know, looking around at the looking around, walking off the field, you're like, okay, well, there's this school here, this school there, so many people watching you. How did you? How were you able to block that out? Kind of, you know, still try to focus on your game, just kind of, you know, displaying what your talent is looking like instead of kind of worry about who's watching you. How did you, you know, kind of block that out? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing there was like, man, like what got me to that point was not looking at the coaches in the crowd. Or, um, like, who's watching me? Um, like, oh, if I don't do good, I'm not going to go to this school. Um, after that BP round, I remember having some talks with my family because I was just so upset. And they're like, man, like, you got to this point just playing ball. Uh, just go play ball. And then the rest of the weekend, I played pretty well in the games, which was good. So definitely just kind of relying back or looking back and 
um, remembering what got you there and not trying to make it too difficult and just keeping it simple. The game's hard enough as it is. Um, so just keeping it simple and doing what's always worked. Yeah. So when, when you were going to that quote unquote camp there at the Miami, Ohio, um, you know, doing, you know, doing some workouts, going around campus, said you loved it, said on the way back, you get a phone call, get that offer. You know, how long after that are you, you know, committing to Miami at that point, did you pretty much much have Miami, Ohio, you know, locked in as the school you wanted to go to, you know, what were those next couple of days, next couple of weeks looking like after that offer? Yeah. So um, I kind of went through, I think it was most of the summer. I was kind of um, like, obviously talking with them. I was talking to them um, like weekly at the time. Um, Justin Dedman was the recruiting coordinator. Um, he's at Missouri now, um, but he was a recruiting coordinator. So I was talking to him almost every, every week, at least once, maybe twice. Um, and then sometimes I'd call coach Hayden, who's the head coach at the time. And, uh, and then a couple weeks on, or not even a couple weeks on, like maybe two weeks on, um, I get a text asking ask to call. It was, the, uh, it was a pitching coach. Um, it was Coach Pass at the time. He's not there anymore, but um, he called me, and he was talking about how excited he was um, to talk to me. And I was like, man, like, pitching coach is calling me as a catcher. Like, that that means a lot. So I really took that in consideration. I remember talking to my family, and I waited. Um, I went to Jupiter that year. Um and right after Jupiter, I remember, I think, uh, yeah, it was maybe, maybe it was the middle of, yeah, it was after Jupiter, my, um, my junior year. And, um, I remember waking up, I was at my dad's house and I woke up one morning and like, God just like kind of gave me a sign, like, man, like this is for you. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And I called up coach Hayden, coach Deadman. I was like, all right, like, I, I want to commit. And they're like, all right, like, sounds good. And then, like I was gonna try to go tell my parents because we obviously talked about it like a couple nights before, um, and I wasn't even out of the room yet. And Coach Pass, the pitch coach, calls me. He's like, "Man, I'm so excited to have you." I'm like, "All right, like I, I really feel like I made the right choice here." But I remember walking out of the garage to like go tell my dad. I just like break down. Um, I was just so excited, and I think just the um, the feeling of relief to finally have that choice made was so nice, and all that pressure off your shoulder, like man, what if a school doesn't want me? It was just all gone. Yeah, I'm and sure. You, I don't feel like the world. Yeah, I'm sure. And then after that moment, you're probably able to, you know, take all the pressure off yourself in game and, you know, kind of just go out, go and ball out. But with you being from, you know, Indianapolis, you know, I know Oxford, Ohio, it, I really don't know where that's at, but like you said, you know, you're about, you know, four hour drive. Um, so for you being a guy who's, you know, not in state of Ohio, but, you know, the state right next to it, did you go into, you know, your freshman year knowing quite a few kids who were in that recruiting, in that, um, recruiting class or, you know, what exactly did that look like on the relationship type of thing, side of things? Yeah. So actually right after I committed, um, coach Dedman, um, or, um, at the time, um, put all of us, um, recruits and like in our class together and the group chat and like we all started talking right away and um my roommate my freshman year uh, Luke Leverton made a huge group chat with all of us and all of us would always talk I mean um it, right when that happened was um COVID COVID was hitting so we we're all and I'm not a video games guy but when COVID happened I was like all right let's try this so we play I mean we played video games hours and hours a day I mean I remember waking up and not even leaving my bed all day and just talking to those guys playing video games. Um, but just a couple of weeks later, he um, set up a camp, um, which had, I think, four or five of us recruits go. 
um, that were committed. So we got to uh, meet each other in person, um, which was nice. And um, we hit a little bit. And then we went to the hockey game together. So it was really cool. Then after that, um, it was just kind of all like virtual, like over text, talking to each other. And then um, sometimes my my roommate, uh, Luke, I'd see him all the time. He lives just in Richmond, Indiana. And obviously him and I play on the Mambas together. So that was really cool to be able to play with them, with him before that. And then I played with uh, Parker Lester and Blake Buzio before I even got to campus um, for a couple weeks in the summer after my senior year. Yeah. So I think Coach Devin really did a good job put, um, making sure that we had this connection before we even stepped on campus. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's always important to, you know, build that relationship with some of the guys, you know, before you even get to campus. I've seen that with, you know, travel teams where let's say there's a guy committed to, you know, Butler playing with another guy committed to Butler or, you know, in whatever school it is. Like, you know, it's always, I've always seen a lot, you know, quite a few benefits when it comes to playing with some of your future teammates in travel baseball or, you know, just having a, you know, a pre-existing relationship before you get to campus. But, um, you know, you know, kind of moving on from the recruiting process, moving on from, you know, after you had, you know, maybe went on your official visit as a senior, you know, went through national signing day, you get there, your freshman fall, kind of take us through that, you know, what that was looking like. Ma, did you get there a little early? I know some schools have, a thing where, you know, college freshmen go show up a couple weeks before other students, but um, kind of take us through what that freshman fall was looking like for you. Yeah. So um, we didn't go early. We got um, with baseball, we got there. I mean, with every other student, so moving day, um, it's kind of like your first, uh, first, first look at what college is like moving day. I mean, there's just hundreds of people moving the dorms since all traffic and, in the one way street to get into the dorm in Oxford, Ohio. Um, so, I mean, you're stressed out of the gate already, but um, yeah, it comes at you quick. Definitely comes at you quick. Um, there's no easing into it. They throw you right in, throw you in the deep end. Uh, you got to figure out yourself, but um, I think it's definitely for, uh, for the best and it helps. But um, I mean, obviously freshman year coming off of COVID um, academically, I struggled a lot just because, um, I went from all virtual school for two years to back in person and Miami and it ain't an easy school. Uh, it's definitely hard. Um, took a lot of help to get me back on track for sure. Um, but freshman fall, I mean, um, they give you a couple, couple weeks to kind of, um, acclimate to the whole school thing. And then, then they hit baseball hard. Um, I think the first three weeks we did like hell week Ooh. and it wasn't terrible, but, um, I remember they they had they had rogue bikes day and they throw you on this rogue bike and you got ten minutes to burn 125 calories and I'm like easy and I got on this bike and I think I finished in like eight minutes and forty seconds and I was like about to fall off this bike and die I was like, <laughs> like man this is not what they tell you about like where's the baseball like yeah. we didn't even pick up a ball of scrimmage yet and then we made it through those three weeks and um then you think you're gonna get all this help in the fall, but when that fall fall season's here, they're figuring it out. They're throwing on the field with nine other dudes. And a lot of those dudes have been playing college baseball way longer than you. They tell you to figure it out. Um so you really have no time to think, which honestly was kind of nice. Um I had an all right fall my freshman year. Um I think I only had like one extra base hit. It was double was my last at bat of the fall. Um and that was it. Caught absolutely awful. I mean, I'd only catch like a fourth of the scrimmages. And I mean, it was just half the balls would get to the backstop. Nobody was getting thrown out. 
but yeah, they throw you in and they tell you to figure it out. But it's 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 definitely what what you need yeah. coming into college. I'm sure. So, you know, they give you a couple of weeks to figure it out on when it comes to classes. Like, are you guys going to class and that's it for a couple of weeks? Or are you guys, you know, maybe doing some, you know, one-on-one workouts and stuff like that, as well as the first couple of weeks of classes are going on? Yes. Yeah, so the first couple of weeks we, um, we had obviously our classes. Um, so our practice block would be in the evening. So we get all of our classes done up until about two. Um, and after that, you, you usually can go get something to eat a little bit and then come back. And then it was kind of like, um, like they had like open times to come. So a lot of us, like we'd go in groups and try to get some work in or um, like some guys would throw some bullpens. Um, you could hit, um, if you want to hit on the field, just be like, Hey, I want to hit on the field and they'd set it up and we'd hit on the field, but there was really no scripted actual practice until, um, like a couple weeks in. Okay. So for you, you, know, you talk about catching bullpens with you being a catcher, I'm sure your you know, weekly schedule in the fall is a little bit tougher than, you know, most because you have to do your hitting stuff, have to do your fielding stuff. And then, you know, every time a pitcher wants to throw a throw a bullpen, they have to, you know, give one of you catchers a call. So uh, take us through, you know, what that what that weekly schedule is looking like there. Fall ball your freshman year, or I guess just fall ball in general, because I'm sure it was the same this past year as well. But, you know, what is that weekly schedule looking like? You know, once fall ball gets rolling, just in terms of, you know, you doing your maybe personal workouts, maybe some scrimmages, catching bullpens, you know, what exactly was that looking like? Yeah, so in the fall, um, we had we would practice six days, and then we'd have Sunday off. So um, Monday through Friday, um, or Monday through Thursday, we'd hit the weight room hard. Uh, we'd hit it every day. Um, that was kind of based off of your schedule. Um, I think this year we did morning lifts, so it wasn't too bad. But so um, we'd get up, we'd lift, um, go get some food. Um, go to class through the day uh, about two um, you come to the field um, get whatever like you take care of your business uh, and then about three we'd start practice but being a catcher I mean I depending on the day I was just praying every day it was nice out uh, because that saved me a lot of time and a lot of travel to catch bullpen so I remember times um, either I would go left go right to the right to the field catch some bullpens and go to class or go to class, come back, catch a bullpen, go back to class. Um, it's very hectic. And it's funny because freshman year I went from, man, I caught being the youngest and only freshman catcher. I think I caught almost every bullpen. Um, and then this year being the oldest catcher, um, I was not wanting to catch any of the bullpens, but I was like, man, like I know how you guys feel. So like, we'll split them up. So we split them up as much as possible, but, um, it was kind of nice. We had kind of staggered schedules between all of us catchers. So we kind of, um, um, do the bullpens um, when we needed to do them. And um, um, our two freshman catchers did a really good job picking up guys um, for bullpens um, when some of us couldn't be there. Or if it was like, hey, we both can do it, like what should you do? Um, they did a great job stepping in and be like, I got it, which obviously um, it's very nice because it's not like we were all button heads. We're on the, like, we're all on the same team. So that's good. When you don't have guys that are on the same page, it's really difficult to figure out. Um, yeah. You got to do stuff. But, yeah, no, the fall, it's packed, so we practice lift, bullpens up until Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, scrimmage for about four or five hours each day. 
Okay, so for you being that freshman catcher there last year, having to you know maybe be put through the ringer, having the older catchers be like, "Hey, we don't want to catch this. You, you go catch those guys." Um, you know, what were some of those relationships you were able to build with you know that pitching staff? Obviously, I mean that's a that's a great thing. You know, being able to build that you know that chemistry with those different pitchers um, that you're be coming up there in the spring. But you know, what were some of those relationships pitching wise you were able to build? Yeah, so definitely freshman year, um, not really knowing exactly like what I, my role is going to be. Um, it was more of just trying to figure out how to catch guys um, and obviously trying to build relationships slowly. But um, honestly, um, kind of lead up to the spring. Like, so I was supposed to redshirt almost a little bit past halfway of the season. So I was just in the bullpen catching. Um, but honestly, that was the biggest blessing that I had um, getting getting in there and catching the dudes that are going to be our starters the next year, coming out of the bullpen or next year, knowing that my sophomore year was going to be my year to catch. Um it, it honestly, I, I mean, I hated it at the time. Like you'd be catching bullpen after bullpen, um, but it helped. And um, Cole Andrews at the time, Dalton back at the time were our two catchers, and um, they knew I was never gonna catch that year. They they knew I wasn't even close to being good enough to catch, but um, they took me in, and Coach Hayden was really hard on me um, at some points, which was good. But they were always there to. Like, hey, like, this is just how he is. Like, trust them. Like, it's going to work. All right, whatever. But um, they definitely took me in and helped me a lot. And a lot of conversation went into making me into the catcher I was this year, which was um, complete, completely different than I was a freshman year. But um, a lot of conversations, and they took me in and kind of treated me as their own, which is hard when you have a senior catcher that's played four years um, and a new guy comes in. It's not always easy to uh, build that relationship with them. But Cole – Cole welcomed me in with open arms and um and created a relationship relationship with me from the first day and uh, made sure that him and I were once again like that we were both pulling on the pulling the rope from the same side, um, bringing the team closer to what we wanted to do. And um definitely looking back, that's it was nice to have that and not somebody that um tried to put you down. Yeah. So for you, you know, now being a year, year and a half removed from, you know, the beginning of your freshman year. And again, we're going to start moving into, you know, your actual freshman season where, you know, you started off as a red shirt. But then, I mean, I was looking at the stats and I mean, you had a pretty damn good year there, your freshman year. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll, we'll dig into that next. But um, but, you know, take us through that toughest transition being, you know, again, like I said, you know, a year, year and a half removed from, you know, you know, starting your collegiate baseball career. What was that toughest transition going from high school ball to collegiate baseball, being a college freshman there at Miami, Ohio? Yeah, I mean, geez. Um, you only think there's a big difference when you're in high school, but you get there and um, it you realize quick that you're that you're just another dude in the, in the, in the ocean. You ain't this big fish in the pond anymore. Um, every, every guy is a dude, an absolute dude. Um, I mean, some guys are only throwing 87, but that 87 is moving a lot more than the 87 did in high school. Um, pitchers, everything, everything is a lot uh, more perfected at the um, at that level. Um, breaking ball is just unreal sometimes. Um, pitchers know how to tunnel. They know what they're doing, um, especially when all this um, pitch, whatever you call it, all the spin stuff starting to come out too. And you're getting up there and these college guys have had that spin stuff for a couple of years. Um, you're trying to hit these balls. One looks like it's going up. One's dropping five feet and you're like, man, how do I do this? It's hard. And then obviously um, from the offensive side, 
dude's rake. You don't understand. Um, you don't understand how good hitters are in college until you are a pitcher um, in the college level or catcher. Like even I'm back there, and I'm like, man, how did that kid hit that pitch? And you're like, well, he's playing D1 baseball for a reason. That that's why. Um, but just the pace of the game speeds up. It's it's quick, um, especially with the whole pitch clock thing. It's getting quicker and quicker and quicker. Um, pace of play is fast. But um, everything's just more intense now. Um, everything's better, offensive, defensive. Um, everything's better. It's it's a huge step up from high school, and if you're not ready for it, it's gonna it's gonna come at you quick, and you might have a rough time adjusting. I'm sure. So that spring semester gets started there, your freshman year. I guess you know, kind of take us through. You know, you said you're gonna be registered at that point. You know, what's going on there? You know, what's your mindset knowing that okay, like. You know, maybe this is just a development year for me leading up to, you know, the season gets started. You're maybe get thrown into the mix. I guess I really don't know how this all happened. So, I mean, I'll be learning just as well as the listeners on this. So take us through, you know, spring semester gets started. You're, you know, at that my, at that term, going to be a red shirt guy. But then, you know, you get thrown into the mix. Kind of take us through that. Mm, yeah. So um, it kind of all started actually like going into the winter. Going into the winter, they're like, hey, you need to hit for more power um you obviously need to get better at catching but like you're just not in the spot um or want you to be to be a starter or play I'm like okay that's cool so I went um back to my hitting coach back home Benny Craig he's absolutely awesome hits with um some of the best hitters in MLB uh, I've known Benny since maybe I was 12 so it's been a while and he's been there with me on the journey but um I went in there and he just opened it like hey how'd the fall go I'm like I'm gonna be honest with you we gotta we gotta change some stuff. Like, that's fine. Um, changed my swing almost completely um, from what it was in the fall. Um, came back, was hitting really well. But obviously, having the conversation before, they're like, "Hey, um, with you not being a great catcher right now, like um, we're probably just gonna redshirt you as of now. But um, we got to keep you there just in case like one of the catchers gets hurt." I'm like, "All right, cool." So we get about halfway to the season. We're getting ready to go down to Cincinnati to play in the Nuxall Classic against Wright State. And um, a couple of us buddies are down in the dorm basement, and we're talking. And I, it's like 9.30, and I get a call from our head coach. And I'm like, like, I don't think I did anything. Like, why is he calling me? I'm, like, freaking out. And they're all like, maybe you're playing tomorrow. I'm like, no, nah, like, that's outrageous. I haven't played a single game to this point. I want to be playing tomorrow. So I walk upstairs, I take the call. He's like, hey. What do you what do you think about uh pulling that red shirt and playing? Like we think you can um make some like big contributions to this team. I'm like, man, let me call my parents real quick. Cause like that I'm mean, a child. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, that, that's a big decision right there. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I already missed half a year, but like like let me call him. Like I I was like, all right. He's like, all right. I was like, I'll be right back. So I call my parents. I'm like, hey, like he asked me if I wanted to pull my red shirt and play. I'm like, man, I really think like think like this is my time like I think I can um I think I can really make a point of myself and like make my way into that starting lineup they're like all right like if you think that's like God's plan for you like let's do it I'm like okay so I call coach Hayden back I'm like all right like let's do it he's like all right guess he's like go to bed get some sleep because we're leaving at like eight the next morning he's like get some sleep because you're gonna be starting behind the plate tomorrow I'm like Ooh, I haven't had <laughs> in a live game since the fall like all right let's do it so I remember Walking into that game, nobody, nobody but um, my three buddies that were down there when I took that call knew that I was going to play that day. And I remember walking in the dugout, and he puts the lineup up, and some of the guys like, oh, David. I'm like, yeah. 
I'm like hitting like eight hole, whatever. I don't really care. But um, yeah, that was that was nuts. That was nuts. Um, how that went by the beginning of the year. And I remember um both my parents came, my dad called off work, my mom drove down. Um, because obviously they had no clue. They their world just flipped upside down. They went from, oh, we're not probably gonna be to a single game, maybe one or two to see you to like, oh, like you're playing. Yeah. So it was pretty cool to see them there. And um, I was playing against a couple of my buddies on Wright State, which was cool. And I ended up facing one of them. But um, I think first at bat, dude put like fastball outside of the plate. I just threw my hands at it. Um, guy on third, like one out. And I flew out to the fence, like almost went deep first at bat. Um, ended up scoring the runs. Technically, it's even going out and that bat. So I wasn't really too upset. But um, yeah. But I remember, I remember that game. I was swing mode. There was no no takes. I was swinging. <laughs> I today. Uh, got jammed on like ninety two, super late. Just pushed it right by the first baseman for the first hit. So I'll never forget that day. But it was it was really cool. Um, kind of how that went. Um, from looking back to where I started that that uh, freshman spring. Yeah. So after that, you know, after that collegiate debut, you go out, I believe you hit three, three fifty seven. I think was all out here. Let me, let me pull up the stats. Cause I remember looking at them this morning, um, freshman year stats. I believe you were, you know, all team or first, first, first team, all Mac. Um, yeah. let's see there. Stats are loading right now. We got three fifty seven, seven homers, 24 RBIs and 22 starts. So, I mean, you know, like I said, you know, that's a pretty damn good year there. After that collegiate debut, take us through what's going on those next couple of games, some of the, you know, maybe surprises that hit you, you know, when you're first getting your, you know, first couple of games of collegiate action and, you know, take us through the rest of that freshman year. Yeah. So the next, I think it was like maybe the next two weeks or so, uh, two or three weeks, um, I get like some spotty starts. More like midweeks, I'd catch against um, – I caught against Xavier. Um, caught against IU um, at, at Miami for the second time. Um, and, like, I was playing all right. Like I was getting some hits here and there, putting the ball in play. No bombs yet. Um, and I was getting some pitch hit at bats, like, in MAC play. Um, I remember distinctly, uh, I think it was NIU, I got a pinch hit double to right center. And that was kind of I was like, man, like they're not gonna be able to keep me out of the lineup after that. Um, but like it was, it was, it was honestly frustrating after getting that pulled in the next couple of weeks and not playing. And it's like, man, like you just pulled my retro and like you ain't giving me a chance now. Like I've been playing bad, so um, it was a little frustrating. But then I remember going into um, we were going to the Kent State series and we show up to that place and that place is the field's beautiful. It's huge. I mean, dead center's like four fifteen. You're four ninety to the left center gap giant wall and right and name scripted in the lineup card i'm like oh all right here we go uh that first game i mean i i raked that weekend uh, put a ball off the right field wall like three doubles a single and then i got my first home run at kent state i mean i absolutely murdered this ball went over the light poles and left center into the parking lot and even i was like man like i just did that remember hitting it and around third and our head coach kind of like giving me like this look like, man, you really just did that. I was like, yeah, I have the same feeling too. So after that, um, after that weekend, uh, I think I was like six or seven for like 13 or something. Um, so after that weekend, I was like, man, like no way they can keep me out. And the rest of the season, um, uh, DH the whole year. Um, and next, I think 
where do we play next? Maybe maybe we put OU at home. We put Ohio, and uh, first game just did all right. Um, it was one of those games. I'm like, man, like I got to get a hit this game, so I'm playing next game because we had the double headers at the time. And I did, and I remember that OSU series is kind of like we just weren't all clicked. Uh, I went back to back home runs um, in the bottom of the ninth and the bottom of the eleventh to tie up the game. We ended up losing, so it wasn't really that big of a deal. But after that, I kind of got the respect that I wanted at the plate, um, which was nice. And then I ended up hitting another one the next day. Went to Akron, put one off the scoreboard, put one backside, hit one, hit one to the center. And then um, the next couple of weeks were just kind of all right. A couple of hits here and there. Uh, then we're playing Ball State, and obviously Ball State's pitching staff that year was just loaded. And uh, Tyler Schweitz was on the mound. I faced him in high school, so I was comfortable. Uh, got, a, got a hit off of him, hard line out. Um, and I get thrown into catch because our catcher gets hurt. Because um, <laughs> it's funny, actually. We had four catchers. and. Two of them were out with um. They got hit. They got hit in the in the nuts. <laughs> so they were out after surgery. So it was literally just our starting catcher and me. And our starting catcher gets hit in the wrist and breaks his wrist. And they're like, "Hey, you're in." I'm like, all right. Didn't even make it through an inning. Get hit in the hit in the head on a backswing. Get stitches put in. We're like, all right. So we end up putting our third baseman in. So, um, it was it was nice to be able to um, end my freshman year that way. Obviously, because. Um, looking back on the way it started, never would have thought it ended the way it did. I mean, that's got that's got to be a rough position to be in as a coach to have four cat four or well, three catchers down. You come in, you know, get hit in the hand, have to put a third baseman. That's got to be a tough position to be in. All right, so you mentioned Ball State there. You know, you know how great their pitching staff was. Obviously, great last year, great this year. You know, made the, they made the NCAA tournament. IU, another team that made the NCAA, NCAA tournament that you guys got to face. You know, facing teams like that, how would you compare them to some of the other MAC schools that you guys are playing just on you know, the level of play, maybe the competition, maybe the mindset going into games like that? Is there, you know, a mindset change at all? Or for the most part, is it kind of the same, you know, facing those couple of schools? Yeah, so um, I think going to those games, the biggest thing that I think uh, a lot of guys at mid-major schools will fall into, and I think guys at Power 5 schools will tell you the same, is, um, like, obviously, you got some schools with just some dudes that are just like, how? How are you this good? Like, obviously, like, LSU, you got Dylan Cruz and Skeens. You're like, you guys are just, like, totally by yourself on the other end of the spectrum. Like, you're not even in this conversation. You're just so good. Um, but I, honestly, um, I think the gap between the power five schools and the mid-major schools are not as big as people really make them. I think it's a whole mindset thing. And obviously going to those games, sometimes guys are like, man, like this big 10 team, like we're going to play real good. It's like, no, we don't. We just got to play how we usually play. Like there are people too. And I think my biggest thing going to those games is not, um, trying to put myself below them. Um, tell myself like, Hey, like. I could be in their shoes if I wanted to. Like, I could be wherever I wanted to. I'm here because I want I want to go to school where I'm going to play, where I'm going to have a great education. Um, and they're there, and who knows what they're doing. Um, but I think going to those games, telling yourself, like, you can't you can't tell yourself that, like, oh, man, it's a power five score, big 10, big 10, like, pitcher. Like, he's going to be good. Who cares? At the end of the day, that pitcher up in the mountains, just another guy throwing a ball. And he's gonna make a mistake eventually. And when he makes that mistake, that's your time to not make a mistake. Um, so I think just tell you 
the gap the gap's there, but it's not as big as um a lot of people make it seem. So I think just telling yourself that um that that gap is not as big as you think. And obviously we see um we just got our new coach from Indiana State and he was telling us he's like he's like, Man, like Indiana State, he's like, that gap's not that big. Look at these look at these smaller mid-major schools like we're we're kicking ass against some of these power five schools which is awesome to see because you can just see those teams do not believe that there is a gap between them and those power five schools so i think that's the biggest thing going on those games just telling yourself that they're not any better than you are yeah and that that's one thing i've learned here this past new year and a half or so watching obviously indiana state because i saw them come to iu because i go to iu i saw you guys at iu saw ball state and you know there i mean there is a you know a big jump at all when it comes to you know, the, the mid-major level to the power five. And that's always just a question I always like to ask you guys in terms of with you guys being on the field, if there's maybe a, a competition level difference that you can see playing maybe some mid-majors compared to some of the power fives. But, you know, last question about your freshman season, then we'll dig into your sophomore year. Um, You know, just looking back on it, I'm sure, you know, that hot streak you went on um, when it comes to, you know, the two home runs, ninth inning, 11th inning home run, another home run the next day. Um, I'm sure that hot streak was a pretty good memory for you. But looking back at your freshman year, what would be some of those just, you know, favorite memories that come to mind when you think of, you know, Miami, Ohio baseball, going in, being a red shirt, becoming, you know, an all-first team, all-MAC player? You know, what were some of those favorite memories that come to mind? Yeah, um, honestly, let's see. And. There's a lot of them. Um, some of the best ones, I think, uh, obviously happen on the bus. You hear some funny things on the bus. See some funny things on the bus. We had a we had a kid last year that was a fifth year and came back for a sixth year this year. Um, Christian Dahada. I remember. I think we won. I think we just won a game. And we were on the way back, and he gets this like gas station hot dog, and uh, this kid sleeping. <laughs> he just comes up and smacks him across the face with a hot dog. And, like, that was kind of his personality. I mean, like, he did it every week. And it's just stuff like that. Like, you don't forget. And it's – it. I don't know. People don't understand how how cool how cool it is to be on a on a college baseball team, especially on a bus like that um, with a whole bunch of great guys that have um, – obviously, you've probably seen it on these podcasts, have some really, like, weird personalities. Um, it's, it's really cool, and you make a lot of memories. Um, some of my favorite ones, too, are uh, hotels, like – uh, my freshman year, we got put in threes, so it was two beds, three people, and it was us freshmen usually. And you get like, hey, like you snore, I'm like I don't snore, you snore, no, like I got to do some homework. Okay, so just got a couple guys lay down to go do homework and just start ripping like a chainsaw, and you're like, man, <laughs> like, how do I get put with you? And then I was the next week, like, man, how do I get put with you again? Um, but I think one of the better ones is. Like two weeks in, we're down Georgia Southern. Um, first morning I wake up, I'm like extremely sick, throwing up. Um, not even sure if I'm gonna be able to make it to the game. Uh, second morning, wake up, one of our roommates gone. Our trainer's like, Oh yeah, he had to go to the hospital. So we're like, man, like we're we're over two. We're going to bed. We get our third roommate, he's freaking out. Absolutely freaking out. He's like, I don't want to go to sleep and probably wake up. Something's gonna be wrong. We're like, ah, oh, you're fine. But just just the personalities you get with um all your buddies that you um make a relationship with over the year and kind of getting them enclosed um with just you is definitely the best memories um that you'll take with you forever yeah. after um, your college baseball career is over. 
I'm sure, especially with you guys, you know, being around each other, like 80 hours a week, I'm sure there's definitely, um, you know, some good relationships there and, you know, some fun times, but, you know, moving on from your freshman year, going into your sophomore year, take us through that fall in terms of, you know, now that you're kind of knowing what's going on in the fall, how do you know, what was your approach, um, your sophomore fall compared to your freshman fall, kind of take us through that and just what that was looking like. Yeah. So going to my sophomore fall, kind of, kind of just told myself like, man, like fall doesn't matter because obviously it doesn't, you look back at my freshman fall and it had no impact on what it was or how I played the spring. Um, but um, for our la this, this last fall uh, was a lot easier. I think we got rid of hell week, um, which was, <laughs> which was nice. Um, it was just um, a ton of scrimmages. They put us in a ton of big situation stuff. Um, there would be a lot of times scrimmage days, every inning would be bases loaded, no out. You got to figure out how to get out of it. And it'll just be keeping score from that. Um, but I raked in the fall. I had like 398 in the fall with a bomb, ton of doubles. I even had like a triple, which is very rare for me. Um, but I remember like, hey, like, let, let's pick up the catching. So we completely changed the way I caught um, right when the fall ended. We hit it hard until um, that winter break. And we hit it hard and I hated myself. I couldn't walk for days sometimes because I'd be so sore from just blocking trying new positions but um your second fall is definitely I don't want to say easier but um it comes a little bit easier because you know what to expect um after that first one so um definitely definitely get I I'll definitely say it gets a little bit easier okay um, so maybe, not, maybe not so much uh the competition but like um school and the whole schedule comes easier to you because it's not um new because now you have a year under your belt obviously and after figuring out how to multitask the spring with all your classes and games falls a breeze the next year yeah i'm sure um so again same question here kind of take us through your sophomore season you know going in you know already having that you know first team all mac under your belt you know going in having a pretty good freshman season what was that mindset going into your sophomore year and, you know, just what how did that sophomore year this past spring kind of play out for you? Yeah, so going in, obviously I had, I mean, high a lot of people had high expectations for me after coming out of nowhere and hitting the way I did. Um, but obviously I had even bigger, higher uh, higher expectations for myself just because I'm, I'm pretty hard on myself, which kind of gets me in trouble sometimes. Um, but, I mean, I thought, I thought this year was going to, go exactly how last year went um but obviously uh you don't know what's going to happen um i'm big on like god has a plan sometimes you're not going to like it but you just got to go with it so um going to the year i thought i was going to be on top of the world and i now switched from only dhing to i was almost catching every game so that was a big transition i never caught really a college game um i went from being the last catcher to now i'm the starter um, so it was a big difference, but I remember opening weekend, we're at Georgia Tech, and um, they got, I forget his name, but he was, um, he threw in the regional against Tennessee the year before, um, and this dude punched me out four times, and I'm like, I was 0 for 4, four punch outs, only saw 12 pitches, didn't even foul one off, swung this to everyone, I'm like, get pulled, my buddy goes and smacks the line drive, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, let's go. Like, I was pumped. But after that game, I'm kind of reflecting. Like, I do. I get five minutes of game reflect. And I'm like, man, it's going to be a long year. Like, if this is how it's going to go, it's going to be a long year. So, <laughs> next couple of weeks, 
I struggled. I struggled. I went a weekend without a hit, maybe put three balls in play. Um, the next weekend, pretty bad again. Then it starts getting cold out. It's even worse. I'm hitting like a buck 50 going into like week five. And I'm like, man, something's got to change. So I drive home real quick, see my guy Benny, hit with him, come back the next day go double home run backside line out. I'm like, okay, like we're back. Let's go. And then after that kind of smooth sound, obviously at the plate, I I, I definitely went at the strum. I definitely had struggles still a little bit too much swing and miss, um, but ended up hitting seven home runs the back half of the year again, which I was excited about after not really hitting any um, through the first half. But, um, but I think the biggest thing this last year was, putting aside or split splitting the game in half. I have my offensive side and my defense side. And obviously not trying to carry those over because earlier in the year I was letting my at bats um affect the way I was catching sometimes. Um like the second, third week of the year. But going later on in the year, um I really matured after some hard conversations and learning to split those up and be a leader on both sides, but separate how you're leading those. Um so that definitely helped and ended up the year better than I expected uh, after the way it started. So I was happy with that. Um, ended up hitting seven home runs again, which I was happy to at least hit a lead, uh, the same amount I hit freshman year because obviously I don't want to go down, but I set myself up for a really, for uh, a big opening to have a really good year next year. So I'm excited about that. Okay. So, you know, going in from being that fourth catcher there your freshman year to, you know, being that starting catcher, you know, catching every day as a sophomore, how were you able to step up as a leader? Maybe, sh- you know, maybe show some of your teammates the way of going going about college baseball the right way. Can I take us through, you know, how you maybe stepped up as a leader here this past spring? Yeah, so um, definitely, definitely my freshman year, I was not a leader at all just because not playing the first half. Um, um, it's hard because we have a lot of conversations and it's a hard conversation to have, but you, um, you should be able to be a leader without having the um, – having the background to back you up. Um, and I'll, and I'll admit my freshman year, I didn't, I didn't think I could be a leader because I didn't have the stats to back me up. But after, um, the way it ended, I was like, man, like I can, I can kind of stream my way up there. I think I got a lot of respect out of people now, which I did. Um, and I obviously had the respect before, but, um, in my head, it was kind of harder to understand, but this sophomore year I came in, I'm like, man, like this is going to be my team. Like, let's do it. Um, so me and a couple other guys in my grade and a couple of the older guys like really try to take hold of um hold of the team and be leaders. And obviously having the year I did before, I have a lot of guys start looking up to me, and especially being a younger team, it was kind of nice. But <laughs> obviously I was the oldest catcher on our team, and I'm only a sophomore, but um it was a lot of conversations with our pitchers. Um, not so much me telling them what they need to do, but me just sitting there and listening. Um, to what they have to say. And I remember getting all the sheets of what about their pitches. And I remember sitting there reading them all. I'm like, man, like I might not be the, like, I don't have to be this leader that's telling everybody what to do. Like I'm a leader right now reading these sheets, knowing how I'm going to make my pitchers better each day. So I didn't definitely like that leading, leading when nobody's seen you. But um, I think, I think I, I was pretty happy the way I stepped up kind of in the half back half of the year, um, trying to lead our team after we had a, really um rough start sorry like zero and seven beat sensi one seven finished the year out strong so it was hard it was hard and sometimes you're like man like i gotta put this on me like if this is my team i'm letting this happen so it was tough but not giving up on the guys and the guys not giving up on the team um 
you know, I was I was happy with the way it ended, um, but definitely wish it could have gone a little bit differently than it did. Yeah, I'm sure. So looking back at these past two years, now that you're kind of, you know, adjusted to the college lifestyle, and obviously you guys are traveling a lot. You mentioned Georgia Tech. I know you guys have, you know, gone down to, I know, well, obviously Georgia, but then Tennessee, some other schools, you know, going all the way up to Michigan for some of those MAC teams, like, you know, Western, Eastern Michigan. Um, I think NIU is mixed in there too. You know, kind of take us through what that travel schedule looks like for you guys, you know, I guess, or just what the average, the weekly schedule looks like for you guys on a, you know, home series, on a, you know, away series where you guys are traveling pretty far. You know, what are those kind of weekly schedules looking like? Yeah, so um, Mondays are off day, always an off day. Um, so that's kind of nice, kind of like self-care day. So usually we'll go and stretch, get treatment done, training room if we ever need it. Um, we take a couple swings, maybe there's bullpen or two, but it's just a lot of stretching. Sometimes you don't even need, like, sometimes we're like, just don't even show up to the field yet. Um, just kind of take care of yourself. Uh, Tuesdays, usually midweek, um, which is not always the easiest coming off an off day, obviously. Um, but midweek, Tuesday, they they were mostly away this year or home, but so midweek. Um, then Wednesday, kind of a hit and miss. Sometimes we'd have midweek, sometimes we won it. Um, and then Thursday, obviously. Um, so home game. So for if it's going to be a home series that weekend, uh, Thursday is just practice as normal after class is about three. Um, it's usually a pretty lighter practice. We usually like take BP, couple um, couple defensive reps, and then we call it a day. Um, then Friday, Saturday, uh, Sunday, we're playing games. Um, but on a way series, um, it was uh, we usually got up pretty early in the morning Thursday. If you had a class super early, you went, and then we'd travel there. Um, about half the time we'd leave that early morning, uh, stop, uh, coach Hay was huge on Cracker Barrel. So we get Cracker Barrel every trip, uh, which obviously when you get $15 at Cracker Barrel, you find a way to make every, every penny count. Um, so you see a lot of food, um, obviously there I've seen dudes. I remember we had a kid ask for like, Hey, how much is one egg? Like, man, like one second, like, they're like 79 cents. So he's like typing it in. He's like, I'll do 13 of those and this. And we're like, oh gosh, okay. Um, so Cracker Barrel on the way trips and we get there and um, we'll practice uh, most of the time and then head to the hotel, sleep. And then we're Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. And that Sunday games in, you share and you're back on the road, getting back, um, back into Oxford around between midnight and 6 a.m. and you're back up in the morning at eight going to class or going to get your lift in on your off day yeah. so it's a grind but it's it's fun you signed up for it so you can't complain yeah I'm sure I'm sure some of the, I'm sure so you know throughout the season some of those you know we getting back into Oxford you know pretty tough but um you know another question when it comes to just you know an overarching question when it comes to college the baseball the college baseball lifestyle obviously <laughs> I know you know, college coaches, they do a lot more scouting with, than what you would in, you know, high school ball and travel baseball, obviously. Um, but kind of take us through, for you, you know, being a catcher, take us through what those hitter and those pitcher meetings are. Because obviously I'm sure you're having to go through scouting reports of all these different hitters, too, um, on the other team. But, you know, what are those meetings kind of looking like and how 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 is that information kind of presented to you guys? Yeah, so for the pitcher meetings, um, a lot of times uh, if it's a big pitcher meeting, um, I'd make it if I can, but it's not usually a huge deal. Um, it's usually just like a recap of how that week went, but I already kind of know how the week went, obviously, because I saw it off from behind the plate or, um, we'll talk like, I love talking to my starters after the starts or like just kind of the guys that have thrown, um, and that's nothing against the guys that didn't throw, but sometimes 
I'm not trying to focus on a group as a whole. I'm just trying to focus on these guys that are um, that need to perform in the moment. Um, but usually my meetings for the pitcher meetings would be um, a couple hours before the games. I'd sit down with – or not sit down, but I'd go talk to either um, our, our pitching coach and sometimes our starting pitcher for that day. I'm like, hey, like what's our plan going to be for this? And he'll kind of give me a rundown, like let's do this and this. This kid loves to run. Just be ready for this. Um, when they're in this situation, look for this. And I'm like, okay. Um, then obviously, um, inning to inning, uh, that, that plan is going to change. I'll come in and he'll be like, Hey, what you see? I'm like, Hey, like we, um, we need to switch from cutter in to let's start going fastball and curveball away or stuff like that. Um, because sometimes, um, we'll fall on tendencies, obviously like every pitcher does and, um, nobody's picking up on them, but the other teams, so I'm like, Hey, like, well, let's, let's switch away from this tendency. This is what I see. So that meeting is not so much, um, it's important before the game, but it's even more important during the game. Um, so that's that's an ongoing meeting, in my opinion. Um, it's conversation. Baseball's a conversation, especially when um, you're the catcher trying to help this guy get the, get the batters out. Obviously, it's the goal of the game: get him out, don't let him run score. Um, then, offensively, hitters meeting usually the the whole week leading up. Um, we're training for one of the starting pitchers. Usually, usually a guy with a big breaker or something, or something that's um, very unique to pitching that you don't see a lot. Um, so we'll train that, and then um, we go out and take some BP. Um, then we come uh, back into the um, into the lounge about an hour and a half before the game, and you sit there and you get this huge breakdown of charts and pitches and what what righties get, what lefties get, percentages, um, spray charts on it, and watch some video. Um, but I, I mean, in my opinion, that's way too much. Like I love numbers, but when it comes to games, knock them all out. I look at the top two percentages. What's his fastball percentage? What's his off-speed percentage? And that's the only two things I'm looking at. I'll figure out the rest when I was a go. So that's pretty good. But once again, you get in the game, it's a conversation. Sometimes um, the numbers might say one thing, but you get in there and you're either telling you another. So um, even after strikeout, you gotta you gotta be you gotta be um, you gotta be mature and learn how to have a conversation when you're angry or upset that you just struck out or something. Um, because when you're facing a dude throwing 95, it looks like it's going up. You can't figure that out on your own, and sometimes you want you want to you want to have a little awareness about that before you go up to the plate if you don't know. Yeah. So obviously it's just a conversation as you go on through the game. Okay, so you know as you know your sophomore season ended there probably about a month, month and a half ago or so. Kind of take us through those expectations going into your junior season. You know, third year now you're going to be a two year. Uh, is it considered a two year starter? Obviously, it says that freshman year it was kind of like a half half year, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, being being that two year guy who's gone through, you know, you went through the ringer, you know, had some great seasons. You obviously had a little bit of lows too there at the beginning of your sophomore season, but going through having all this different experience, what are those expectations heading into, you know, your junior season there at Miami, Ohio? Yeah, obviously it's obviously team goals win. We're gonna want to win as much as we can. Um we're gonna want to win the Mac. We're gonna make wanna make a regional, and obviously we're not gonna just settle for only making a regional, like, why would you set your eyes on something less than the best? Um, so obviously winning it all is what we're going for. Um, but to do that, we got to, we got to win one game at a time. We got to make the tournament. We got to win the tournament. Obviously as a mid-major, it's really hard to, um, it's hard to make the tournament. I mean, we saw Kent State this year with 40 wins, one of the best teams in the country, and they didn't even make the tournament because they don't win the MAC. Um, well, they didn't even win the postseason MAC. They won the regular season MAC. Um, so obviously – Every game, every game counts, but um, that as a team, but personally, I mean, 
having both having two years, one really well offensively and one pretty well defensively, and then the others kind of between. Um, I think I've definitely matured a lot and learned a lot and know what I need to do on both sides of the ball. And now knowing that I can split my offensive defensive side into two and not have to worry about one while I'm doing the other. Um, while I'm playing, while I'm hitting, I'm hitting, and while I'm catching, I'm catching, not trying to worry about the other. Um, and obviously having the relationships I do now two years under my belt with the, the pitching staff that we got. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think we're going to have a really good year this next year. Um, not really sure exactly how, how it's going to uh, play out. Obviously we have a lot of, um, a lot of moving parts, obviously, um, a whole new coaching staff, um, probably gonna have a lot of new pitchers. Um, so we're going to have to see how that goes, but I have no doubt in my mind that's going to go well. And obviously personally, I want to do well behind the plate. Um, but, um, I've definitely learned over the last two years to, um, really try to put an emphasis on what I'm doing well at the time. So if I'm hitting well at the time, really put my emphasis on hitting and try to help my team out the best way. And if I'm not hitting the best of the time, really find out a way how to defensively put our team in the best way to win. And while I'm doing that, trying to figure out how to fix the other side, and when they're both working, figure out a way to really, um, really use that to help our team win. Because at the end of the day, if I go four for four or four home runs, I don't care if we lose. Like, oh, sorry, that's that came out wrong. <laughs> I was going to say, you might have to reword that. <laughs> if I'm four, four, four home runs and we lose, like, I'm I'm not happy. Like, I I care less how well I do because at the end of the thing, that's this game, this team is not about me. I can go oh, four with four punch outs and we win and I'll be the happiest man in the world. So that's kind of all it is. I just need to find ways to help team win at the um, help team win and just keep winning. I don't care how well I do. Uh, obviously I would love to um, do what I did my freshman year and hit over 350 and double digit home runs, but um, that's going to come with helping the team win. So. So you talk about yeah. that new coaching staff that just came in. I believe like you said, Indiana state was where the head coach is coming from. Kind of take us through what that relationship you've been able to build with him so far, with him just coming in, and then the relationship you had with Coach Hayden as well. Obviously, his, him and his whole staff was the one that took you through the recruiting process, you know, gave you that offer, you know, kind of <laughs> adjusted to college baseball. So what are your relationships with, you know, Coach Hayden and that coaching staff, and what's that looking like so far with that new coach that just came in from Indiana State? Yeah, so obviously my relationship with Coach Hayden was um, probably a lot different than a lot of guys on our team, obviously, because um, being a catcher, he was our catching coach. So I spent about 95% of my day with him and him and I had a lot of hard, difficult conversations, a lot of heart to hearts. Um, he he was honest with me sometimes, not not things I wanted to hear, but um, it's what it's what you got to hear at that level. Um, but him and I's relationship was was really good. And obviously, um personally him and I were on a really good um really good level with our conversations and the relationship we had and um it's hard to look back and be like man he's gone because he's the guy that uh he recruited me obviously and um he's the guy that believed in me and um believed that I could be um be the next starter for Miami and that's what happened and it's hard to look back and be like man the guy that like brought me in and believed in me is gone but um obviously it's uh, college baseball business it's hard but um coach smiley uh we briefly met him uh when he was in the regional 
uh, obviously over over Zoom. Um, so you kind of kind of got to learn that. But he was going on his coaching philosophies, and I mean, immediately our team just was like blowing up each other's phone. We're like, man, like we love this guy because um, we loved Coach Hayden, but um, him and the school definitely thought there was something missing there. Um, but Coach Smiley, um, man, I'm pumped. Uh, he called me at dinner one night, and I stepped out and talked to him for I think like. 30 40 minutes and we we're just going on and on about um like what we need as a team how excited we are and he kept going on about how um he loves practice and i'm like man like this is gonna be it like we put our focus on practice like we're gonna be good he's like he's like he's like i'm i'm big on um practice and i'm excited he's like if you make a mistake um in the field he's like i think that's my fault i'm like oh okay like i like this like let's see he's like but i won't i won't teach uh He's like, I will not take the blame for um for like your hustle or your attitude. He's like, that's on you. But he's like, if you boot a ball, he's like, I think that's my fault. Like, all right, like this is gonna be good. So, so I'm excited. Obviously, it's hard because he's on he's moving right now. I'm uh, moving to Oxford. And obviously we met him when he was still in a super regional. So it was really hard to really hard to kind of talk to him because you had to wait <laughs> a couple of weeks to really get to talk to him. But um yeah, and he hired um coach Scully from ball state as a pitching coach and i'm pumped for that i'm really excited because i've seen what he can do um with those guys from ball state and just hearing from um, some of my buddies from ball state what they have to say about them i'm pumped because we have good pitchers just sometimes the execution was not great but i think i think he's gonna make a huge change and i'm excited for this year with the new staff and i think we're gonna do some great things I'm sure, you know, and obviously, you know, pitching coach coming from Ball State, like you said, all the different pitchers that they've developed to these past couple of years, head coach coming from Indiana State, the team that made it to the Super Regional. So, you know, it should be a pretty exciting year down there in Oxford. But before you get back there in the fall, obviously you have summer ball. I Like you said, before we started recording, you had plans to go play summer ball somewhere. Not exactly sure what you're doing right now, but kind of take us through this plan for this summer before you go back down there for Oxford. Yeah, so summer ball, it's my summer ball has been crazy ever since college started. So last year, obviously, you kind of figure out summer ball in the fall. Um, so being a guy that really had nothing behind him or like any stats back him up, it was really hard to kind of find me a league. And they're like, all right, you want to do this league? So I ended up playing a league last year um, up on my house in Grand Park. Um, it was last year, the Grand Park League. Uh, I had like 12 plate appearances I got hit in seven of them uh so I had seven hit by pitches I'm getting hit in the wrist messed on my wrist um but before that I was supposed to go down to the cape and play um the back half was I finally had some stats to kind of get me get me in some places I wanted to be so get hit in the wrist so that fell through which was kind of upsetting obviously um but um I used that to get stronger and um, work on my hitting so I was okay then this year I was supposed to go down the cape again the back half of the year they wanted me to take the first half off um so I was gonna go down the cape but that's kind of fell through because of a whole bunch of um, roster moves um with their team down there um and then I was supposed to go to the prospect league uh next week but um the roster is kind of looking a little different than it did at the start of the year so I'm really unsure what I'm going to do right now but obviously I'd love to go to the cape um as I was supposed to the last two years, but it's really not, I'm, I mean, I'm not really too pressed about the summer, summer balls yet. I mean, I'd love to be playing right now, but I'm um, obviously this couple of weeks, um, 
giving my giving my legs a rest was nice, but um, at the same time, get, getting to hit the weight room really hard has been really beneficial because it's hard to do that when you're playing every day, obviously. But um, I've really used these these last couple of weeks. I, I've gotten off, which you can isn't really off, but um, to get all that strength back that I lost during the year because obviously you're on the road all the time, but putting all this weight back on, obviously physically I've seen a um, big difference in the last couple of weeks and. That's only going to help me in the future, but um, the biggest scheme of things can't even get drafted now. So like summer ball next year, or next summer is going to be huge, really big. Um, so that's why I'm more focused on now in the long term. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see how the summer plays out. I'm really not too worried. I know God's got a plan for uh, wherever He puts me. So I know whatever I end up is going to be what's best for me. All right. So digging into summer ball before you got to college, like I said, I believe you played for the PRP Mambas. Take us through how you got connected with them, maybe your relationships you're able to build with the coaching staff, maybe some other players who you're potentially playing up against in the spring now as a college guy. Um, you just kind of take us through that PRP Mambas experience. Yeah, so that summer I actually started out in Hickory, North Carolina. I was with two of my teammates who was supposed to play for this independent summer league team. Um, I was there for two weeks, played like two games out of like the nine we were there. I'm like, this ain't going to get me any better. So I'm calling up uh, Coach Hayden at the time because um, uh, Coach Devin was not there anymore at the time. So I called up Coach Hayden. I'm like, man, Coach Devin put me here. I ain't playing. Like, I'm trying to be a starter when I get there. Like, we got to figure something out. He's like, okay, you got an idea? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, this mama's team. He's like, all right, sounds good. So went back home. I We finished the game. I called the coach. I'm like, hey, I'm leaving. He's like, what? I'm like, dude, you've played me two games in the last two weeks, and we played like 12. It's like, well, you're just not going to stick it out. I'm like, no, like, I'm trying to play. Like, I'm sorry. It'd be different if I was playing or getting that bad. But, like, you literally said, I've, I've watched more baseball than I've played. And he's like, all right. So drive home from Hickory, North Carolina, and get on a plane, go to go to Georgia, play with the Mambas. Um, at the time, I was coached by Greg Vogt. And um, we, my family's known Greg forever. Uh, he used to run a couple uh, – pitching or throwing um programs <laughs> back in Zionsville he was my PE teacher my freshman year so uh, I've known Greg forever I've known him since like seventh grade um so he coached and obviously playing with all these dudes around uh around Indy um who we had, our team was good our team was real good we had some dudes and we played some ball we didn't we didn't lose very many games then we won like three tournaments, four tournaments or something, only lost one, like the quarterfinal with no pitching left. But it was, it was fun. It kind of get, it, it got, it definitely got me ready for college baseball. Um, but it was, it was awesome. They let us, they let us really do whatever we wanted. Uh, it would be different if we were losing or not playing well. But I think we really set the tone as we were that first Mambas team. Uh, we set the tone for that program and kind of creating this new program. And you look, um, look back now and the mama's team last year did really well. And the mama's team this year is doing really well. So it's exciting to look back and be like, man, like we almost started that. So it's really cool. Yeah. I've been, I've been seeing you know, as I'm scrolling through Twitter throughout the summer, I've been seeing quite a few of their guys. I know there's a couple of Indiana state guys on that team. I think a couple other, you know, mid-major school, you know, mid-major signees commits on that team as well. So, you know, I've been, you know, looking, I've been, you know, interviewed, I've, I've interviewed a couple of those guys, you know, kind of seeing, you know, scrolling through Twitter for this past summer, but um, you know, playing for that PRP Mambas team, I'm sure there's quite a few guys from the Indianapolis area who you were, you know, potentially playing up against, you know, at, for, you know, while you were at Zionsville. So what was that like, you know, going from, you know, 
opponents, the teammates, and I'm sure there was vice versa there too, mixed in throughout travel ball, going from travel ball teammates to opponents in the spring. So what's that like and going from, you know, po opponent to teammates and vice versa teammates to opponents? Yeah, so obviously going from teammates to opponents, um, it's it's fun. I think I think um, a lot of people say they hate playing against their friends because like they know what they're gonna do, which like sometimes is true. But like, I love playing against my buddies um, because baseball is hard, and the last thing you want to do is start stressing out. But when I'm playing with my buddies, I'm usually sitting there laughing or joking around with them. Um, so it's usually going pretty well. Uh, but in high school, seeing my buddies on other teams just kind of made me laugh and like like little like inside jokes you have with each other and you're doing from the opposite sides now, like kind of keeps you relaxing. You look back and you're like, man, that was my best game. I wonder why. So I was relaxed and I was having fun, like not really worried about everything else. So that was cool. But going from opponents to teammates, it's cool. Um, There's a lot of guys that I play with um, that I played against, but getting to play with them is awesome. Um, Because obviously in high school, everybody's spread out and you have some of the best players on different teams. And, um, when you finally get to bring them all together, it's awesome. Um, the best I think would be um, when I was with Bulls, um, JD Rogers, um, I was playing with on the Bulls, but he went to Carmel. Um, but playing against him in high school was fun, but getting to finally be teammates again in the summer, you're like, man, this kid's really good. Like, thank the Lord he's on my side now. Like, it's hard. It's hard to get that kid out. Um, same, I mean, same thing with our whole Bulls team. Like, it was fun. Um, everybody had like really good high school seasons and finally get to come back together and play. It's like, man, this is fun. Like you finally get all the best kids from each high school together and kicking ass now. So it's fun. Yeah. So, you know, playing up against JD Rogers there in the springtime, obviously you go into Zionsville, you guys are facing Carmel, Zionsville, um, Fishers, all those different, you know, big time programs still throughout the spring. For you, you know, kind of going through that, take us, you know, explain that, I guess, Northern Indianapolis baseball competition, Central Indiana, what that's looking like, you know, on the game-to-game level, facing all those different teams, you playing for a very good Scienceville team as well. Um, Just kind of take us through what that competition level is looking like up there in Northern Indy. Yeah, um, man, it's it's crazy. People don't understand how good uh, baseball is up here. Um, We're always known as the basketball state, which obviously you have really good basketball players, but um, man, we're slept on for baseball. We are really slept on, um, but it's it's unreal. Um, baseball up here, the um, Hoosier Crossroad Conference, obviously, and then you had Carmel in there and some other teams. It's it's unreal. Um, you have four, five, six, seven dudes from each team going D one, maybe just in one class, and sometimes you have them those four to seven different classes and um going to Zionsel was cool um being that team you played every other team and um it could have been a pointless game and every team's throwing that dude against you um so you always got that that you're always at that uh you're kind of like that villain team which is it's cool it's cool to be that villain team sometimes um in high school especially when you think like you're all cool and you're like that high school and you're a little bit younger um it's cool to be the villain team and get to see everybody's dudes and um Obviously, I hate losing, but, like, if you get beat and see how teams react, you're like, man, like, these teams really respect us. Like, they're pumped, and they just beat us in a midweek. It's like, obviously, losing sucks, but seeing the respect that every school um, around the around the state has for us, um, 
and I mean, same thing for us and Carmel. Like when we beat Carmel, like man, like let's go. That was big. But like that's the that's that's the respect we have for him and that program and obviously programs like that and Fishers um is just it's just a lot of respect goes a lot of ways um especially when all of our buddies are on those teams too so was was Zionsville being one of those villain teams there in the area like you said getting to face everybody's ace who would be the toughest or I, you can name a couple here because I know it's gonna be tough to point out one but who would be the toughest couple pitchers that you had to face within the state of Indiana basketball. Hand, <clears throat> hands down, the hardest one. Uh, senior year, we're facing Westfield, and uh, Gage Stanifer is throwing. And I've known Gage for a while. He played with my brother growing up. Um, so I've known him for a couple of years. And um, I'd always go to their practices. And I, I knew he threw hard or whatever. And I was I was hitting pretty well that year, and um, he threw me I think two high fastballs, and I barely swung through them both. And he bangs a curveball in the dirt, and I just completely whiffed, not even close. And obviously, him and I were real close, so I was talking to him after the game, like like man, you you knew exactly what I was gonna do. He's like, yep, you've done the same thing for thirteen years. And I was like, yeah. He's like, I saw your eyes light up. So I think he he might be the hardest one. He caved me twice. Um, I got a. I dribbled a ball back to him, like pounded one on the ground and got a hit out of it. So you always use that as my bragging rights with him. Like, hey, I want one three against you. He's like, you didn't put a ball past the catcher circle. I'm like, the books is one <laughs> So he was he was definitely one of the best pitchers I've um I've I faced. But uh besides that, in high school, I can't really name a ton. Um but man, those pitchers from Zionsville um, that I faced in the fall or in um, live at bats, they're good. They're really good. Drew, my bud Drew, obviously he's really, really hard to hit off of, um, especially when he was in high school. I had a, it was hard. It's hard because I haven't seen him throwing in a year because obviously playing college baseball, it's hard to get up there to um, Chicago and see him play. Um, but that's, I'm hoping to get up there soon. Uh, I know he had a rough year, but in high school, man, he can spin it. It's it's one of the coolest things ever to be able to catch him um, and see some things he can do. And he'll always tell you he'll be able to get me out, but <clears throat> he's never struck me out. So don't let him ever tell you that he's never struck me out. He can get me out, but he'll never strike me out. Um, but him, uh, Dome, um, Chase Wagner, um, when I caught Nash Wagner in high school, I mean, they were just elite for high school kids, especially not even being um, a senior, you're seeing some of these kids. I'm like, dang, like we had Jack Nelson, Zach Nelson. And I'm like, man, like this is high school baseball. I'm glad I'm catching you because I want to be able to hit against you. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have a lot of respect for a lot of guys in Indiana that um, pitched. Um, and obviously, um, Stanford got me the one time. I think that was the most difficult one. That's only really the only person I really knew that through, but um, facing those dudes from Zionsville, it was difficult, really <laughs> difficult. And I, I was happy that I was able to face them in a close setting and not in a big spot. I'm sure. I mean, Zionsville's always, I mean, even this year, obviously I follow, I follow high school ball a little bit closer, closer now than what I did, you know, when you were in high school. But I mean, you know, you mentioned, you know, Nash Wagner, Chase Wagner, I know Simon Wilkinson's on that team as well. I don't know if you get the chance to play with him, but yeah. for you being a senior when those three were freshmen, 
how were you able to maybe, you know, take them underneath your wing? Right, you can even throw Drew Dixon in there too, because I know he's a year younger than you. How are you able, able to, you know, maybe take you underneath their, their wing, maybe, you know, lead them um, within their high school careers? You know, what was that relationship you had? Obviously with Drew, then Nash, Chase, Simon as well. Yeah, so obviously um, for my freshman year, um, I knew some of the older guys, um, and they, like, they took me in without even hesitating. So I was always hanging out with them. And I remember being a freshman, like being a little scared, honestly, and getting taken in by these big old seniors. You're like, feel good about yourself. So I remember that as I um, went in the senior year, I remembered how I felt as a freshman and kind of put myself in the other side now, or try to put myself in their shoes. I'm like, man, like they're scared. So obviously trying to take them in, welcome them in. Um, and, first building that relationship up. But the nice thing is being in Zionsville and um, being in the community for a while, knowing them kind of before they got there, um, help, but taking them in and kind of showing them like, Hey, like, it's not going to be easy. Like you guys gotta, it's going to be hard to go to Zionsville. Um, sometimes Zionsville, some of those boys, you got to tough them up. You got to toughen them up a little bit. Um, so you got to knock them around a little bit. And I definitely did. And they, they they know. I told I told the whole team to get in the air. I'm like, you guys might hate me, but like this can be for the best. Like I'm only trying to help. And I think um Drew hanging around me for all those years helped too. Because um, even though my senior year we couldn't do exactly what we wanted to, um, but just leading those guys and trying to show them um what they should be or try to help them figure out what they want to be um for that next year was I was really it was really cool to come back and see Drew lead that team and some of those other guys that I um took under my wing as a senior or even a junior or sophomore um see what they could do their senior year and make it to that semi state game or however far they went um it was really cool to see that team come together after having a rough regular season it was really cool because just knowing that I couldn't do it um my senior year knowing that I could at least somehow help those guys um, and like all those guys I grew up with being with Drew, um, he played with all of them. So I grew up with them and they're like, they're basically my teammates too. I was always at those games, always with them. So it was really cool to be able to help lead them to that and then see what they could do with, um, what they got for me and do what they did last year, um, in high school, their senior year and make it really far. So, you know, last baseball segment I want to dig into is your on the field play. A couple of questions here. So take us through that hitting approach. You know, what's that looking like? You know, what's going through your mind as you're walking up to that batter's box? You know, just, you know, what's that hitting approach looking like? Yeah. So obviously I said, um, we got our charts and I look at our charts and I pick the two pitches I want. It's always going to be a fastball. It's always going to be an off speed. Um, there's rare occasions I'll sit off speed, especially being um, in the position lineup I am. I get a lot of off speed, but um, I'm always going up there looking for fastball. And that's about the only thing I think about. Um, um, and I always have like little cues. Um, so like, like big for me is like, yes, yes, no. I'm always thinking about hitting the ball until it's telling me no. Um, but sometimes I'll change that cue to like different words. I'm trying to keep my head still. I'll be like, be still. Instead of yes, no, yes will be be, no will be still. It's it's weird, but it's kind of what I think about. But when I get in that box, I'm trying to think about nothing um, except yes, yes. And I'm thinking about hitting the fastball to the right center wall. Um, and then that's kind of, I mean, that's it. it Hating is hard enough as it is. So I try to keep it as simple as possible. Hit that fastball there. And if you hang a bang, or if you hang a banger, I'm going to, you better hope that it's not hung too well. Okay. Okay. So, you know, let's say you get two strikes on you, you know, the, you know, higher chance there of getting that breaking ball. 
you know, take us through that two strike approach. What's going through your mind? Um, you know, how that changes from, you know, your regular hitting approach when you get two strikes. Yeah. So I, so I'm big on two strikes. I've always said two for me, uh, one for the team. So I get two strikes. I'll spread out. <clears throat> I spread out just so my leg lift because I have a big leg lift. Express so my leg lift can get um very shortened and I choke up a little bit, but I'm I'm looking for a fastball. Obviously, you got to stay fastball in college. Um, everything's more elite. If you're sitting an off speed pitch and you get a fastball, there's absolutely no way you're gonna hit it. So I'm um looking fastball obviously, but I'm trying to hit I'm trying to hit that fastball as late as possible. Um, so like I'm if like best case scenarios, I get jammed foul ball. I'm living another pitch, but um, I'm looking fastball, trying to just barrel it right down that right field line. And um, if I'm early, like, cool, like, I'm up center. But um, that that's that's very helpful with the curveball. So I'm, I'm making sure I see everything on my belly button, not chasing anything down. But um, trying to be late on that fastball helps you so much with off speed, especially when you get in change-ups. Um, if pitchers got a good change-up, it's really hard to hit. But, um, yeah, so that's my two-strike approach is just be late on the fastball, but not too late. But be late, hit it to right, and um, – Stay in the legs and hit the off speed wherever it's pitched. It's about putting the ball in play. Um, it's not about putting the ball out of the park, put the ball out of the park. It's cool, but uh, can't put ball out of the park and strike out. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I like that little, I like that little uh, mindset there. But uh, when it comes to the mechanic side of things, take us through what that's looking like, you know, from that load up to that follow through, what those mechanics are looking like, and maybe how those have evolved here these past couple of years at Miami and, you know, kind of, you know, growing more into your body and becoming more mature as a ball player. Yeah. So mechanics, I'm big on um, like feel stuff. So I feel some really weird stuff. So right now I'm big on my hand placement. Um, And for months, I thought it was like switching my hand placement up, but it's all my cue right now is my front hip. So my front hip, when it's turning, it's putting, it's putting my hands in a good place. Um, And obviously getting bigger and stronger. I realize I don't need to swing as hard and I don't, um, I don't need a swing of my arms. Um, so mechanically, it's really just um, getting into a good spot and using using my uh, firing my hips correctly and letting my letting my hands guide the bat, guide steering or the hands of the steering wheel. Um, I'm not going to get any power from my hands, even though I'm strong. Um, all the power comes from the hips. So mechanically, it's just it's just feels getting in that hip and keeping that barrel above the ball. Um, really not don't don't try to dig too deep into mechanics um for the most part um if i do it it'd be about now or in the winter when i dig into them because um we're not playing as much but um i'm kind of placing my swing now it's not it, mechanically it's more of just um little movements trying to figure those out but just trying to sync up the um like the one mechanic thing is i'll sync up my hands with my front head or my front uh foot i'm trying to move them yeah in sync uh, reciprocally. So they're moving at the same time in opposite ways. And if I can do that correctly and land them at the right spot, at the right time, it's all going to fall into place. Okay. So when it comes to your development, two questions, here, I'll just kind of ask them back to back for you. Um, so when you're looking at these past two years at Miami, Ohio, going, you know, going to that collegiate coaching staff, what are some of those biggest things that you've worked on within your development these past two seasons? And then moving forward, obviously you said that, you know, you're trying to get more power. You know, you kind of don't focus on your swing when you guys are actually playing games in the spring and in the fall. But what is the emphasis moving forward when it comes to your development? Yeah, so um, development, obviously, um, just as a whole, um, catching, man, I just um, – the gap between 
um, my freshman year catching, my sophomore year catching is absolutely huge. Um, it, it's crazy to see the way I caught my freshman year. It's just absolutely awful. It's, it's, it's awful. Um, and we made some big changes and, um, there was definitely some struggles and a lot of, a lot of times that I absolutely hated, um, developing that, but it's gotten a lot better, um, gotten a lot better. And it was cool to see all that hard work and miserable times when my legs hurt after blocking for hours and hours and hours, um, finally pay off, but obviously, um, it can get better. So I think developmentally, um, this next year, um, catching's, catching's definitely number one. I know I can hit, um, and I know it's going to happen eventually. Um, but I think catching is the one thing and I'm going to hit, hit the hardest, the most, or hit, hit the, um, hit the hardest and focus on the most. And, um, because, you know, hitting's fun and all, but I'm letting balls get by me. That's not helping us win games. So, um, definitely catching, helping my pitchers out, getting them, um, strikeouts, helping them throw guys out. I mean, this last year was cool. We might not have a great record, but setting the new single season record and strikeouts, um, it was cool to be a part of. It was cool to catch. Um, and our Friday night guy had 103 strikeouts and it was really cool to be able to catch every 103 of those strikeouts. Um, it was really cool to catch every single one. Um, but it, it, um, it helped, I think, I think that's going to help me push me harder to develop as a better catcher. Um, because obviously like it was cool, but like, I want to be better. I want our team to be better. So obviously I think, I think number one on the list is definitely going to be catching um, from a development standpoint. All right. So looking at your game's entirety, you know, from when you're behind the plate, the relationships you have with your pitchers, you know, you actually hitting, being in the dugout too, you know, take us through what that personal scouting report would be. You're a scout watching your own game. What would be that scouting report that you would write up on yourself? Yeah. So I think right now, um, definitely, definitely, um, um, a little too much swing and miss, not, not terrible, just a little too much. Um, but I know that's going to get back into place. Um, um, I got a lot of power, a lot of power, um, but definitely, um, something that I can tap into more, I think, um, I mean, um, besides that though, um, I think, um, being able to hit the balls off fields, um, very good hitting the ball off fields with power, not just hitting the ball off fields, hitting the ball off fields with power is really good. Um, and then defensively for that sky report, um, man, when nobody's on, it's, it's real pretty, um, getting a lot of strike calls when guys are on it. Um, it can be a little, uh, robotic can definitely get a little bit better. And sometimes, uh, balls in the dirt, um, isn't bad, but, um, can be more smooth. And obviously I think arm strength, um, can improve for sure. Um, it's not bad. It's just average, but I think, um, if I was a scout, I definitely would say arm strength could get better. And I think there's definitely room to um, get stronger in that area um, for sure, um, as well as power um, and just defense living offensively uh, overall. Okay, so one, well, I got one last segment here for you. It'd be real quick. I call it rapid fire, but for the most part, it's just, you know, digging into, you know, personal side of things beyond the game of baseball. Um, we got, got to make sure the fans get to know you a little bit more than just the ball player. So uh, first question, you know, passions beyond the game of baseball. Let's say you're, you know, maybe coping with some stress, taking your mind off of something, just having fun. What are some of those passions, some of those hobbies you have beyond baseball? Yeah, um, I love hunting. Hunting is awesome. Uh, it, it is a little difficult sometimes getting getting uh, getting that done with baseball, but it's nice having that month off in December to be able to do that. Um, but besides that golfing, I love golf. Uh, I'm all right. I'm not great, but 
it, it's it's fun. Um, it's the it's the one sport I can relate to with baseball where I can fail, uh, seventy percent of the time and still be happy. So it's pretty cool. I love golf. Um, and I love golf with my friends, and it's just something so easy to do and keeps you active. And I can relate the swing to baseball. Um, at least in my, in um in my head, I relate it a lot to baseball. So I love golf. Yeah. So usually that, and then hanging out with family, um they always cheer me up. It doesn't matter if I'm down in the dumps or whatever. So family golf and hunting. I love that. Okay. So you bring up family there again. And that kind of leads me into my next question. You know, as we got started, like I said, you, you know, kind of went into detail with that first answer uh, when it comes to family being, you know, a big motivation for you, but take us through those motivations just internally, you know, what helps you get out of bed every morning, what helps you continuously evolve as a ball player, but also as a person as well, you know, what are some of those motivations that you have? Yeah, so for a ball player, obviously, getting up and just realizing, like, man, I'm in a really, I'm blessed to be in the spot I'm, um, I'm in. Um, there's a lot of people in this world that would love to be in my shoes and have the things that I have and um, be able to play baseball at the D1 level, um, and they can't. Um, so I use it as, like, man, like, I think it's, like, what, 2% or something of call our athletes play college uh, sports. So it's, like, man, I'm I'm a part of a cool, cool group, and um, some people aren't as fortunate. So just using that every day to get up um, and get, get going and um, drive me to get better each day. And then, obviously, family um, motivates me a lot. Um, they've given up so much um, for me to be able to do what I do. Um travel all across the country to watch me play baseball. And then obviously before college, they've traveled me across the country to get looked at by college coaches. Um, but just that, I mean, without them, without my family, without uh, my parents, I definitely wouldn't be where I am. So um, just realizing like, man, baseball is going to end when I'm in my, hopefully in my, as long as everything goes to plan, when I'm hit 40 like my baseball career is going to be over and my body's going to hopefully be intact still but um using like life short in that time for baseball but using every day that I can to be able to do it since um my family and my parents have put me in the position um to be able to do what I do it's definitely okay definitely I'm motivator. all right so you kind of dig into it there when you talk about you want your baseball career to end when when you do hit 40 so that leads to my next question perfect picture of your life 20 years down the road everything's going right for you you keep you know you know evolving as a ball player you know keep doing everything right what does that perfect picture look like 20 years down the road 2043 so you'll be you know right around that 40 age um you yeah. kind of take us through what the, what that's looking like yeah geez if i'm 40 by then hopefully i'm just barely out of baseball that'd be that'd be ideal just barely out of baseball uh, hopefully the body's not too torn down at that time. I don't think it would be, but um, yeah, obviously perfect pictures, just playing baseball as long as possible. Um, like, man, if you can, you can make money off of playing a kid's game that that's absolutely awesome. Especially um, in today's game. I mean, dude, like what league minimums, like half a million. It's crazy. The amount of money they're giving dudes to play baseball it's cool. And people make a half a billion now to play baseball. It's it's really cool to see what the sports became or what the sports become. But besides baseball, I don't know. I want to, I don't know. I, anything that puts um, me in a position well, with my family that I hope to have at the time um, financially in a good spot. Like, obviously I've seen what my parents have done for me and I want to be able to do the same thing um, 
for my family um, as a dad, as a father or whatever. Um, and however I get there, I get there. And if it's baseball, that'd be awesome. But um, I don't know, own a business of some kind. Not really sure yet. Kind of still looking into all that. But yeah, hopefully just playing baseball as long as possible and making that money off of that. Okay. Okay. You know that. You know that's a pretty common answer when I when I you know when I'm asking that question for all you guys. But um, final two questions here for you. I'll ask them back to back. That way, you know, you can just get it rolling. Go to playlist on a long drive. Let's say you guys are making a bus trip or a flight to uh, you know, let's say Western Michigan or going down to Georgia Tech or you know maybe driving home from Oxford. What's that go-to playlist that you're putting yeah. on? Is it, you know, genre, a certain singer, maybe even a podcast that you want to throw on there too. Um, and then final question, dream NIL brands. So, you know, being a, being a college, you know, student athlete at Miami, Ohio right now, you have that opportunity. I see, you know, pretty cool hat there, Whiskey Ben. You know, I follow them on Instagram. I'm sure they do some NIL deals, but, you know, what would be that dream brand to endorse, collaborate, partner with whatever, you know, what would be that dream brand? Yeah, so for the first one, music. Um, I love country music. It's about the only thing I listen to. Um, huge Cody Johnson fan. So you probably, probably just I'll go to him and Apple Music, hit the shuffle, and I'll get all of his music. I mean, I think just yesterday I was listening to um, listen to something from his Chris's album. I'm like, hey, good singer, sounds good. Um, <laughs> but besides that, yeah, I love country music. Um, on long ride, I love Cody Johnson. Um, I'll shuffle all my country music sometimes. Um, before games it's a little weird i'll play play some slower country music not 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 upbeat sometimes sad but like people like want to get all amped up and stuff for baseball games i'm like the game's fast i don't want to be sped up so i'll slow myself down with some slow country music and i love it love it. eric church is the best for that slowing yourself down with some of his slower songs um but yeah definitely country music and then man dream nil brand Obviously, whiskey vent hat. I love hats. I wear hats all the time. So some hat company would be great. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe like Hey Dudes. I love my Hey Dudes. Okay. Something like that, or like Nutella. I love Nutella. All Something right. like that. I don't. Know. Yeah. I I I always love you know asking that question at the end it off and kind of see what the answers are. Obviously, you know the big time answers are old Nike, Adidas. Uh, Rawlings, all that type of stuff. You know, I always love it when yeah. I get those unique answers. I got um there, I got one of the most unique ones the other day. Um, I was trying to think of what it was, but you know, we, I mean, a hat company or hey dudes, that's you know, that's pretty unique. But man, now I'm cutting out, man, I'm trying to think of what that it was like one that like it caught me so off guard. It was like, like what, like dream and ale brand with who? Uh, but I, <laughs> I always love it when those when you guys have you know some unique answers. But man, you know, that's the final question here on the JK podcast. I mean, I think we're we're sitting on let's see probably close to two hours. So, you know, that, that's going to be a pretty long podcast mm -hmm. coming out, I believe either next week or the week yeah. after, but you know, thanks for coming on the show, man. I do really appreciate it. Um, you know, best of luck as you go through this summer, wherever you end up going and playing summer ball at going into, you know, your junior season there at Miami, Ohio, I'll, whenever you're playing in Bloomington, I'm sure I'll see it. Cause I'll, I'll be a senior at IU this upcoming, uh, this upcoming uh, school year. Um, maybe I'll make a drive down to Oxford as well. Come see you play some home games, but you know, really appreciate yeah. you coming on the show, man. And, you know, best of luck as you continue your college career and hopefully, you know, you know, like you said, 20 years down the road, you know, finishing up your pro career as well. So uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me.